I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players. Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny One Putt. We will kick things off with a recap of the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. Saw Wyndham Clark get his first major title, only his second win in his career. Awesome stuff. We had Rory fall just a little bit short. And what do you know it? Scotty Scheffler up there as well. We'll break down the top ten. We'll talk about the course and everything else this past weekend at the U.S. Open. And coming up this week, we have the Travelers Championship up in Cromwell, Connecticut at TPC River Highlands. An event that does not discriminate on distance we've seen short hitters win this long hitters win this we got Xander Shoffley as the defending champion we had Harris English take this thing two years ago and we got a stacked field this week we got Scotty we got Rory and we got Rom, along with a long list of other amazing players 20 million dollar purse lots up for grabs we'll break down the course and who our favorites are going into this weekend and to wrap things up we'll talk about some big player golf from this past weekend Tyler and Ken getting out to Maple Run this past weekend Kenny was on break 90 watch and Tippy was on on break 80 watch we'll see if either of them got there i myself got to play down at the outer banks at kilmarlick a course we've played before when we took our trip to the outer banks course was in great shape and the scorecard wasn't too shabby either thanks everyone for joining us if you haven't yet head on over to instagram and follow us at big players only pod we got some reels coming up this next week as ben dub tully and kenny one put take on rattlewood this weekend make sure you go follow and we hope you enjoy the episode Right, here we are. We're back, and we had a really great weekend of golf. Uh, a leaderboard riddled with some of the best players in the world. I think a course that not everyone was impressed with, but we'll get more into that. Let's start with this leaderboard. we got to give Wyndham Clark some props. This is a huge win for his career. Only his second win, and now he's got a major. Wyndham's game was pretty solid pretty much all week. I don't know. He was a little shaky on the back nine on Sunday, but God, did his short game show up. I'm talking about like Jordan Spieth-esque up and downs. A really great performance from him, especially with Rory and Scotty and kind of like Xander and Ricky breathing down his neck a little bit. I mean, a lot of pressure for him, and he kind of came through. I mean, a great win for him. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts about Wyndham and then anything on the course? Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with him just because, to me, it felt like unlike anyone else that was really in contention, you know, the, the big four, we'll say we're talking about going into Sunday, was Wyndham Clark, Rory, Scotty, and Ricky. He's the only one that I felt like actually kind of went out and took it. Like, he built himself going into the... You know, midway through the back nine, he had, what, a three-stroke lead on uh, Rory that then allowed, when he started to get the struggle, started pushing it left, all that kind of stuff, that he had the cushion to allow himself and, like you said, managed to still recover from those bad shots. He had two bogeys and then two great pars to finish off his round. Like, I'm not happy that he won relatively. Like, he's got a great story and everything, but he was kind of like a villain relative to the big names that you wanted to see win, like, Ricky, you know, cementing his comeback or Rory getting that win. It kind of felt like a little bit of that villain role, but he actually has a great story too. It's just a little bittersweet, it felt like. So he he started at Oklahoma State, but then transferred to Oregon. So he knew a lot of these OK State guys, but then I think played the last two or three years of college at Oregon, which was interesting. Like he knows Ricky really well. Like I don't know if they actually played together, but at least alumni know each other. Yeah, he he said something about how like Ricky was like one of the best alumni from Oklahoma State, in that he was like always coming back, always doing things, speaking to the teams and all that kind of stuff. And he copied Ricky's putter. You see that? Yeah. He literally. Yeah. Oh, have you seen all that? So that that jail told me a putter and exactly, exactly yeah. like it. That jailbird yeah. with the big grip, and uh, there was even a moment I heard where Ricky let him putt with it, and he said he called the Odyssey rep, said make me one just like Ricky's. He sends him one just like Ricky's, and then Ricky said, "Oh yeah, by the way, I changed the grip and cut it down an inch." And Wyndham goes, "All right, cut it down an inch and put a new grip on it." <laughs> Great stuff. I have to say, I was rooting against him. 
vehemently the entire time. <laughs> I thought he was the worst person in the world. But then when he won, I was really happy for him. Like yeah. I kept being like, just like sitting there, like rooting for him to fail. Like, a lot of us were like, didn't I think? Didn't you say, Colin, that you'd literally boycott golf if he won? Scotty won. Oh, Scotty! I said won. I would boycott oh, if golf won. if Scotty won. Okay, thank Scottie God won. I'm still here. <laughs> But yeah, I was uh, I was rooting against him until I saw him really like embrace the moment and his family was there. And then like he really seemed like he cared, which is like which was really cool. I thought. Yeah, it, he was and again, not to get ahead of ourselves. He had like that fire kind of like he was so excited and like yeah. about every like big shot he hit that he knew what it was that we didn't see out of those other you know players. Like he was just it that, was, kind of, that it was, was like his slogan for the week yeah, of like, like, what what are your, you know, keys for the week he said i need to be cocky yeah like he needs to hit those shots <laughs> like, and obviously it was no tiger woods but it, like the, the excitement it was the fist pumps all that, it was that was like very tiger woods that's like how passionate and like how much he like put that in people's faces when he hit the big shot which was fun to watch even though i wanted him to lose yeah so so the tournament for me was decided on 14 so you talk mm-hmm. about big time shot which before we get to that we have rory i think he was what one back he lays up on the par five and then hits a wedge in the bunker that luckily Scotty found plugged in the <laughs> wall and Which was ended up making bogey. So Only bogey the day, too. Yeah, right? Wyndham's back the there in the fairway. He, I, I'm sure he knows what's happening. He, does, he knows he's got now two strokes, and he hits probably the shot of the tournament, hitting a three-wood from 280, landing it in like a 10-foot window. And, you know, he's doing all the leans, and he's basically down on his knees kind of trying to guide it in there, but... Yeah, that was the uh, that was the turning point. He makes birdie, and now he's got a three shot lead, and he's got a lot of play for the last four holes. So took some balls on eighteen to get that par, though. That lag putt to like get it up there tight was like no joke. I mean, he really earned that par on the final one too. Yeah, it felt like the whole back nine. He he had either tough up and downs or like sixty seventy foot two putts that he had to make, and I mean he came through every single time. And I mean it is it is impressive. Nope, nobody handed it to him. Rory was. Was kind of crawling, crawling down his back all all day. Crawling with, down the uh, back, classic, yeah. classic <laughs> statement. And uh, straight to the never quite got to got to put the pressure on him, but he he didn't falter and hung in there. Yeah, his short game was impeccable on Sunday. That flop shot he hit on number eleven was like straight downhill slope from behind the green out of the rough. Was that that was like the shot of the tournament for me? That was unreal. And then uh, his up and down on eight for bogey was big when Azinger was already counting him out for double bogey. <laughs> Wait, you, when the ball was for the day. had to stop moving and it never stopped moving? Well, that was that down? part three, <laughs> like fifth, four, or 13 or whatever. But his, no, his up and down on eight was amazing, right? So he hits it. That was when he, he had a swing and a miss. Yeah, well, oh, he, yeah, he, he, he hooks it. his second shot kind of into like a burn sand area and then right goes straight under it. And then the, the fourth shot goes over the green and his ball's sitting in like a bit of a precarious spot where it's kind of like halfway into the rough, halfway sitting up. And it wasn't an easy up and down, but he had like four or five not very easy up and downs and he made almost every one of them. I think my favorite was the, the Azinger one that I was referring to where like he, he's like, oh, it's oh, it's it's stuck up there. He's never going to make And he's like, yeah. it's, it's not going to move. And then it just starts moving. Oh, it's got to stop here. And then just keeps moving. And he ends up having like a five footer or something like that to save bogey. And Azinger just looks like an idiot. The one time they really died, like he, he did have that point. Like he bogeyed six or 15 and 16 and 15. It was like the only bogey of the day on the part three. And he was like, that's literally the only bogey <laughs> of the entire day. And like, that's the point where I thought Rory was going to come back and take it. And I think that was the easiest short game shot that Wyndham had that whole back nine. So it's just interesting, right? Like almost like, I'm sure he was locked in and everything, but it's like when the short game shots got tougher, he got better. That one was a pretty simple chip. He had to throw it on three or four feet from a fairway lie and he just didn't hit it and left it out right. Another cool thing about Wyndham is he doesn't tee the ball up on par threes. He just throws it on the ground, rolls it around until he gets a lie he likes. That's pretty badass. Kind of like pats it down and give himself a little like self-made tee kind of thing. I don't even think he does that. He just throws it down and rolls it around. He does. And and I think that like the science behind that says that like do what you do, right? Own it and and that's the best way he feels like he can play par threes. But on that par three we're talking about where Azinger said the ball was going to stop. Like when you put the ball on the turf – it's a lot more likely that that leading edge will start to dig and the heel. And so that's kind of, I think, why he pulled it left there. Now his short game saved him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he starts teeing it up here sometime in the future. That's the kind of thing you say, like, when he's winning, it's like, dude, that's so cool. Like, yeah. That's the best. And, like, but he was also 169th in the world coming into, like, a mo- two months ago. So it's like <laughs> two months it ago. He was, playing was it working at, for him? He was playing in an off-field event. He, he, didn't, yeah. he wasn't in the match play. He was in the yeah. Punta Cana Open or whatever, which yeah, is kind of so, crazy. So meteoric rise. Meteoric. I mean, he wins the, Bring it back. the elevated event at Quail Hollow, and now he's, now he's a major champion. 
And they his, had a lot of money. His best finish previously to major mm-hmm. was tied for 79th. I, I mean, it, he's got the game. I mean, that's from his past. That's always the struggles is like he can hit all the shots. It was just kind of a mental thing that he needed to work through. And he kind of finally got to that point. He almost went on the bachelor. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> he was literally almost the bachelor. That's where Colin knows him from. <laughs> yeah. Like six months or like recently this year, he was like almost the bachelor instead of being a golfer. Did you see the guy on the zip line? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have one last question on Wyndham, then we'll start getting down this leaderboard. Do you guys, do you think that like a star is being born in Wyndham? What you saw Sunday with the win at Quail, do you think that this guy, I mean, I think he's like a mortal lock for the Ryder Cup now. We don't have many events left and he went up to number two in the rankings, so we'll likely see him in the Ryder Cup. Do you guys think that he's like could be a next uh, top 10 golfer in the world? I think he's already there, right? I mean, what's his what's his ranking? He's pretty close to top 10. Maybe he's top he was, 15. I think it was 30. Yeah. But, I mean, he hits the shit out of the ball. I think he's got a pretty repeatable, consistent swing, and he's got a pretty elite short game, and that's going to you know fare him pretty well pretty much wherever he goes now that he's got a lot of confidence he's playing with. He looks like he's at 13th in the world after mm-hmm. the U.S. Open. Uh, 163rd to start the year, and now he's up to 13th with his two wins. I don't know if I see... I told I was going to say no. I could tell right when you... <laughs> it's, it's, it's not... I, I don't know if like he's going to ha- have that same like consistency like to maintain status as like, he's a top it. 10. He needs to prove it. I like, think. He's had one good season, sure, and like he's got two big wins... Can't take any of that away from him, but like, what has he done in the like in between those? Like, was he having like I don't remember if he did anything after the Wells Fargo until now. If he was putting out like a top twenty, a top ten, I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe because it just kind of feels like he hasn't shown me quite enough to be like, yeah, he's definitely going to be this top ten golfer for the next ten years, kind of thing. I mean, he's 30, 29, yeah, he's something 20, like that. Yeah, so he's he's already later than like when those people that you say, oh, he, this is the next guy than you, you would kind of think of. So I, just, I don't know. I don't think he's there yet. He hasn't cemented I that think I heard a lot of comps to Brooks Kepka yeah. in him winning his first major because he's relatively out of nowhere, wins a U.S. Open or wins a major, and entering his 30s, which is, I think, the prime of your golfing career. Uh, I hope that varies oh, yeah. for us. <laughs> <That's right>. um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty similar. And Brooks, again is now a superstar, and he was kind of the same kind of guy when he first won. So so Wyndham wins the Wells. He misses the cut at the PGA. He comes in 12th at the Memorial. So a little up and down, but yeah. some decent finishes in between here and the U.S. Open, yeah. So talking about him rising to stardom, um, I think someone mentioned it that he he's probably a shoe-in for the Ryder Cup at this point. I think that's where he can really elevate himself as a superstar in the game. If he goes out there and like kind of shows out at the Ryder Cup, I mean – you talked about comp stub. I, I consider him to be this year's Homa potentially, especially like, mm-hmm. I mean, Homa was really, he, he won some tournaments last year, but we're really when he showed up at the president's cup and was dominant there, that's when everyone was like, okay, this guy's, this guy's for real. And I think Wyndham Clark has a chance to do that this year's Ryder cup. If he's on the team. Yeah. I think with Wyndham, right. He drives the ball. Great. His short game's great. He's got this new putter. He's putting great. Great name. Good name, golf name, right? Good for hotels. I think that his iron game is just a little bit shortcoming, right? I think that he needs to work on his ball striking a little bit. But when I think about any of these guys we're naming off, they all have clear deficiencies in probably one part of the game. Like we know Rory's not a great putter. Vic, his short game was a little. Whoa, bit, whoa! Can we cut that, clip that real quick. Vic's short game was a little no, bit no, lacking. No, no, no. Even Scotty, right? Not putting well. Rom, I don't know. These guys kind of all seem to have it like one thing that they don't do well week in week out. When they get hot, they're hard to beat. But I think that Wyndham is just his iron game. And this week was a good week for him because you win U.S. Opens by grinding it out and having grit. You don't have to hit the ball. Like, Rory had an unbelievable day ball striking, especially with his irons. But you know what? It's not any good if you can't roll on a 30-footer, right? But then Wyndham's getting up and down from everywhere, and they're just neck and neck. So I think Wyndham's on a good path here. He's got the pedigree. He's got the history. And I really do. I think I like the comp to Brooks Kepka. He's a gritty guy. He knows how to go out and make his pars. Play good early in the week and just hold on to the end. I, uh, there's something to be said, too, for you get your first PGA Tour win, and then a month later you get your first major win. That's got to get a lot of monkeys off your back. I yeah. mean, yeah. Max, we just talked about Max Homa. He's really been struggling, and that's probably a big thing for him. He's, he's got so much pressure because it's like, okay, you've won plenty now. Win your, win your first major. And he just – the more majors that go by that you can't win, the more, you know, you play every tournament like, I have to win this. Which kind of leads us right into the second guy in, in the top ten, doesn't it? I can also have another reason why we're going to move into Rory, but I think that Homa, right – 
he just seems like he's not owning his game. Like he's playing at majors and he said something about trying to be more patient or something like that. But I've always been a proponent that whatever you do well, try to do that really well. And the rest of it, you just hope you have a good week with. And Homa doesn't seem to be owning that. But Wyndham seems to really be owning his game. He owns every part of his game. He knows his irons aren't his best, but he knows he can rely on his short game. So I love that about him. And he knows that he can rely on his caddy to line up all his putts for him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> every single one. All right, let's move into to second place. Rory comes up one shot short. Birdies the first hole. Bogey's the 16th hole. And pars everything everywhere in between. Had a great day driving the ball. Hit the irons really well. Short game was, for the most part, good. And, I mean, I think that his putting is probably going to go down. It's not a great day putting. But he just had a lot of 15, 30, more like 30-footers for birdie. And there are days where just none of those fall. To me, it really felt like he played the course extremely tentative. He played it like it was a old-school U.S. Open kind of event where it the winning score is going to be over par kind of situation, where clearly that's not what this tournament was. And like he was like, I'm going to hit it to the center of the green sort of situation all day and try to make par and wait for you know somebody else to mess up is kind of how it felt like, and it just never happened. No one else, nobody, you know, Wyndham Clark didn't fall back. Obviously, we saw, like, Ricky come back, but... You know, he was he didn't play like he was coming from behind. Like, like you've talked about before that you feel like he's at his best when he can go out there, swing freely, and just kind of go on a big run in round four rather than playing with the lead. And he just he felt like he was playing with the lead without ever actually being there. Yeah, in my mind, I think that this is like a ninety percent, ten percent thing. I think that Rory wins that US Open ninety percent of the time, and I think the ten percent is what occurred this past Sunday because Wyndham's short game was just unbelievable. I mean, he had I think he had three up and downs that were just out of this world. So he just doesn't get one of those up and down. It's a playoff. I think Wyndham's leaking a little oil and Rory might take it. But yeah, Rory, you're right. He had that game plan of going to the middle of the greens, taking his 30-footers, hoping you make a couple. And I think that's usually how you win a U.S. Open. I just think that Wyndham, the gap got too big where Wyndham at one point was up, I think, four on Rory and three on someone else. So it just the gap was too big, and Wyndham wasn't going to fall that much. I mean, you have to feel for him because yeah. I think there are reports he's coming off the course after playing 18, and he says to his manager, this is St. Andrews all over again. It's a gut Like, punch, it was the it's exact exactly the same. same tournament. He hit the ball great. He made basically 18 par. I think he, what, made 16, but more or less. Two-putted yeah. every single hole, burning edges, and just couldn't get anything to drop. And then just got – I mean, Cam Smith ran him down and took over, but – you know, a little bit different circumstances, but his round, yeah, his round was arguably the same. Yeah, yeah Wyndham chases him down. He just leaks a little oil at the end. You're right. The same same idea. Even 17 when he was way left on the other fairway. Was it 17 on the on yeah. Sunday? And he hit like a 240-yard ball, like hit like a 10-yard window to land it in. He just stuck it with like not a little, little bit of backspin and like had a putt for, and he parted it, but like, man, like he, I thought that was going to be like the crowning moment. And then especially when Wyndham got those bogeys, I was like, that's the one, but it was just... If like literally, if Wyndham three putted that, it's a playoff, and Roy might win this whole thing. I, I was with you. I, when he, it felt like he got a couple really like big breaks. Yeah. Uh, in those last you know, three four holes, he had the one that right was plugged sand. into the bunker kind of thing, and he got free relief, which arguably may have been a harder shot than if it had just you know trickled back into the bunker itself. But uh, and then he had that drive, which I was shocked when I, I saw know, it actually was in the fairway. Like, I, Crazy. Like, I, didn't see a world where it actually like us out there. there. Like, oh yeah, well, it's another fairway. It's fine. <laughs> and you guys, you guys are actually playing that hole that way though. The week, I think Bryson yeah, I think was Bryson hitting it left in that fairway. I know Min Wu, my guy, hit it over there one time. Respectfully, yeah. Rory wasn't playing it that way. Though. Well, I think they said they did that when there was the like the Walker Cup was there. Mm -hmm. a, a bunch of guys purposely played it that way, or yeah. whatever, because yeah. it was just easier. Yeah, something. he didn't purposely do it, but he knew <laughs> that that was a. It was an okay miss if it got it, but it had to get through a decent amount of that thick rough in between the two holes. And yeah. so it was just, it felt like he was getting the breaks he needed and just wasn't able to capitalize on them to get into a playoff or something like that. Like I said, it just, he didn't take the, that aggressive, like I'm going to win this. He said, I'm, he, he played the tentative waiting game for someone else to fall back. Well, the unfortunate thing is that he's so good that he's been in second twice now that like, it's just like someone like Homa didn't even make the fucking cut. All right. So, whoa, whoa. Like, wow. I'm just 35 to one, whatever. But like, uh, you know, Rory's like literally always there. Just a Scotty all the time. And like, it's just, it's almost worse that he finished second as he should have finished 30th. Yeah. I'm with something. you as much as like, I'm frustrated and I will continue to give Ben shit about this. His run in the, for the last two years at this point on majors is phenomenal with the, you take out the missed cut this year at the masters. He hasn't finished worse than eighth. 
a solo yeah. eighth. Like he's Crazy. playing really. He's always in contention there, which I think is what makes it so much harder to watch. It, it's tough too. Like he needs to figure out that wedge game. Like yeah. he drives the ball. Like it's just unreal watching it. Like every drive is like three fifty in the air, right down the middle, and then he hits these wedges like all over the place. And it's like someone who drives the ball as well as he does. He should just be winning by like ten every every tournament. My favorite Rory stat of the week was round one when he had the longest and the shortest shot of the day. Three eighty eight, three eighty two, or three eighty eight, whatever it was in zero. It was phenomenal. I was watching it um, with my dad a little, and it was like the shot, the shot tracer thing was like Scotty and Rory's drives were like on the first hole was just like it was one hundred and sixty four feet versus like eighty feet. It was like so wow. different. It's funny. But he, they both went the same exact distance. They just ro- one rolled eighty yards. Uh, another quote that I found really interesting in his in his post round presser was they were asking him like, "Are you getting sick of having to deal with all these questions about you not getting it done?" And he said, "I would literally go through a hundred more days just like today to win another major." Which I mean, I respect that yeah. answer. I mean it. it you ask what golf and winning and majors means to people. I mean, right there it is. It's better like to have the chance than to just be not to shit on Max Homa again like Ken did, but like to, to not <laughs> even to not tonight. even be in that like that spot that you could have won the major. Like I'm you'd only, much rather have the chance and be able to like, oh, I messed up this than uh, or Justin Thomas had shot fourteen okay, over. Yeah, it wasn't was even close. Say, we got to throw a couple other names. Yeah, Homa's I mean, dead to me. Whoa. <laughs> Dead to me. Home course, all that hype, and he just didn't even make the cut drinking rosé on the weekend. He did show up he, to practice on Saturday. He though. called funny. He called that Wyndham was going to win, and it was going to be a 10-under was going to be the score. I mean, what wow. do you want? Good job. Good job by him. <laughs> he made money off of Wyndham. Maybe. Happy, happy, for him. happy for him. I mean, before we leave the Rory thing, I just the, the, the main reason I was rooting for him is just everything that he's taken on over this past year with, like, the PGA lives stuff and – him kind of riding for the PGA and then with everything that happened the week before, it's just he, he comes out there and no one's really thinking that he's going to have the success that he did this week based on like the wedge game and his approach game, how it's been lately. And he comes out there, doesn't do as many media obligations. He's totally focused, honed in. He's kind of the F you Rory McIlroy mindset. And I, I, I love that. And I hope we see more of that in the future. Yeah, and we'll see. The Open goes to Hoylake this year where Rory's won before. So, I don't know. He's not the best playing Lynx golf, but he's gotten a lot better at it his career. So, I think that this could be a good event for Rory to get his, his first major in like nine years. All right, let's yeah, move into Scotty. Scotty <laughs> came in third. Just another Mr. top. Consistent. What is this, like 14, 15 straight events of top 12 finishes? It's absurd. Crazy. I mean, Scotty was kind of not even in the picture after round one and round two. Kind of has a good Saturday and then plays decent on Sunday. He's always lurking, and he easily could have won this tournament, right? I mean, just as easy as Rory could have won it, I think Scotty could have won it as well. What do you guys think about Scotty? Uh, I mean, uh, he I'm all in on Scotty right now. I, I love watching him play, and it's so frustrating because you're watching him, and it's like he's not playing well. I mean, I think he showed up with a C game this week. He played horrible in the front nine. He could not – Saturday and Sunday, he both could not capitalize on the e- much easier side. And it's just frustrating because the putter, again, was a problem. I mean, he was. it felt like he was hitting really good approach shots, as usual, and he's hitting these putts, and, I mean, some of them just look terrible. I mean, he didn't even give the ball a chance, and they're like, oh, every putt from this from here on has to go in for him to win. And, I mean, he's just leaving putts short, and it, it was tough It was tough to watch. What's Like, I agree with you. It didn't feel like Scotty had his best game at all, but – at the same time, he was under par for round one, two, and three. Even though he yeah. felt like he didn't, he wasn't playing well, wasn't capitalizing on those easy holes. It's like it's remarkable. Like he is playing so unbelievably well that his C game is everyone else's A game. Kind of is what it almost feels like. He's like he's just that good. Where that one week we we've said this about Colin Morikawa playing times like with the putters on kind of thing. He's going to be on if Scotty's putter gets hot for like four weeks he's just not gonna lose he's gonna win by 10 every yeah, time he's just gonna un- run away with anything and he, it's i would love to hear more of why colin w- wants to you know quit golf <laughs> if scotty wins i, I don't quite so get boring. it so boring so boring what is boring about it you, you i think he's gonna have fall over him? every time have he swings the ball in the press conference you can't root for the guy. He's so, oh, so boring. Because he likes to play board games with his wife and eat Chipotle? Like what? Yeah. Because <laughs> he wins a tournament. He wins a tournament and all he can think about is going home and eating grandma's dessert. What if it's really good dessert? What if she's making weed brownies at home and he's just getting high off his ass? We don't know. He's having Vic over for You dinner. heard it here first. 
He's just a humble guy. He's just living his life with a big chin out there. He's doing the American dream. He's the crimson chin, right? Maybe that's the problem. He's just out there. He's too happy-go-lucky. He's just like, oh, shucks, I got another top five. I mean, all he does, he shows up to the tournament. The worst he's going to do is 10th. Well, I think I think him and Rory are just, I mean, like, where's Rom? I mean, we're not going to talk about everybody else, but, like, Rom, him and Rory have been so consistent. Like, like Rom, I feel like, is dropping off this. I mean, we talked about Rory dropping off the top three, like, a month ago. Now I feel like Rom is kind of out of the – Rom's silently getting, like, top 10, top 15, but he hasn't really been in in the mix that much lately, though. I got to feel like, not to fully get away from Scotty already, but Rom is in that situation. Ben was talking about he's got to tire out some point, I think, yeah. I think earlier, because he played, like, 15 straight events kind of thing and was – Unbelievable. He won, like, what, three or four events to start the year? Yeah. And then I think he's just kind of came down a little bit. But, I mean, he ended up finished tied for 10th or something like that this week. Yeah, I think he's in that world where he's, he's probably, like, a little too self-deprecating. Like, he gets a little too mad on the golf course. Like, there. it works for your in your advantage in certain points. But then Rom gets to the point where he's, like, when Hideki Matsuyama, like, takes a hand off the club and the ball goes straight down the fairway. That's kind of where Rom is right now. He's expecting such greatness that... He's almost like hurting himself by how mad he's getting. I'm just like I'm just based just based off of like I'm a pretty I watch the Sunday rounds pretty much every week and like I just see Scotty's name so much. It's just like he's literally he's literally every there every two. It's crazy. It's like crazy. I, I do think he's got to start feeling some panic because Rob or Scotty, Scotty, okay. he is on a stretch that I don't think professional golf has seen since Tiger as yeah, far as absolutely. as but well he's as he's hitting it. the ball. He's botching it. With he the should putting. be winning like yeah. every other tournament with yeah. as well as he's. He playing. should have about seven to eight wins. I mean, his year. expected wins have to be like ten this season yeah. right now. I mean, it's it's crazy, and he's just not getting it done. And I, I on the broadcast, they were trying to make it sound like his putter was not a problem. It's a problem, yeah. and he. He did gain strokes on the field this week. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. He probably like stroke. realizes three, it. Yeah. He just doesn't want to admit it, but like make a chance, like do something. I mean, he acknowledged it. He, he said he was trying out different putters. He had different putters out there in the practice round, stuff like that. He was testing stuff out. I, I think he stuck with old reliable or not so reliable, depending on how yeah. you want to look at it. But I mean, I think there is a level of it's like you don't want to change anything because you are always in contention. You are always right there, and you know if yeah. one of those putts drops. And I'm assuming he's using the same putter he used last year where he was right. just, he won a major, he won three or four other events and was just unstoppable at that point too. Like maybe he, in his mind, it could, they're easy. Just, it's like, keep sticking with it. Yeah. We'll come like, back work, eventually. work through this kind of thing. And I, I respect that. It's actually one of his best weeks putting. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at his whole yeah. season stats. It's yeah. like, this is one of the few he actually has over. Like, did you guys, did you see the picture I sent where his coach, Randy Smith, who had just had like foot <laughs> surgery, was using like a walker on the green while he watches Scotty. Put- I mean, it's such a hilarious picture. All right, let's talk about Cam Smith. He sneaks in for a fourth place finish with a, an amazing final round. He shoots three under when pretty much everyone was even or slightly over par. His game looks good. And we, we haven't seen him too much, right? Cause he's playing live, but he keeps showing up in majors. I mean, the guy's game, he probably – Denny McCarthy, I think, is statistically the best putter in the world, but I might give the edge to Cam Smith, like, in the big moment and on the big stage. What do you guys think about Cam? He's looking like the Cam we saw at the Open Championship last year. Like, he was just draining putts from all over the place, it felt like, on Sunday. It was just, you know, very consistent. He is one of those players, like, there's obviously going to be a few from the live that I hope that now we're going to be able to see him more as whatever of this merger gets through him whatever legal process, Congress, all that kind of crap they're going to have to run through. Congress. Congress. <laughs> like, I'm excited that we may get to actually see Cam more with, like, these bigger names. Maybe it's just an elevated events, whatever it is. Like, it, he had me excited for the merger for the first time. And he's a fun golfer to watch, man. So he had a T-34 at the Masters and then a T-9 at the PGA and then a fourth place here. So his major resume this year has been pretty awesome. And he was the first to admit he did not take golf very seriously in the offseason. And so he came to the Masters as a heavy favorite, but he had a lot of rust. And he's shaking that off. And, yeah, two straight top tens. He, it is so fun, like you said, to watch him play and especially to watch him putt. Every time it went to him, he's hitting like a putt that breaks 20 feet to the left and it's just always the perfect pace and it just drips in and it's just it's incredible how how easy he makes putting look that being said the commentators basically told you it was going in yeah. before he putted but he really yeah, th- seems, thanks nbc he really seems to shine at the uh like during the last round of these big tournaments especially when the pins are in difficult places to reach where a lot of guys are having to hit those long like the longer putts for birdie and par i mean we talked about rory just not being able to get any of those in the on Sunday, but Cam's the one who makes all those, and that's why we saw him win last year, and that's why we see him consistently 
at the top of the leaderboard again. But I feel like it was kind of a smokescreen top 10, though. Like, it never, it was never actually in contention. Right. Kind of just like snuck in there and got it. It's like, I did, there was never like a part of the broadcast where it was like, Cam's going to win. It was just kind of like he happened to be there. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was because he was the first one, I think, to post a number outside of, I think, maybe Tommy Fleetwood got in before him. Yeah. yeah. So he posted a lot of Tommy coverage. Yeah. Yeah. He posted a number that was like, in the conversation, knowing that the harder part of the round should is going to be that back nine, those you know, last four holes or so, if someone did blow up, or if multiple people blown up, that it would he could sneak into a, a playoff, something kind of like we saw JT at the PGA last year. Yeah, five right. strokes. That down. same kind of thing where like something he down. just somehow gets into a situation <laughs> where it was it was. I liked having some numbers in the clubhouse, like as we went and watched that, like relatively lack of dramatic finishing stretch the thing i like about cam and i know we're talking about other guys on the leaderboard but like it seems to me with like i don't know if we have a big three or a big four coming from live but it's like brooks obviously cam dj if he didn't get that quad he actually would have been like literally <laughs> top three and and then bryson has actually been playing pretty well uh first pod dub's favorite golfer you know <laughs> but like though i mean bryson sneakily has had like top 10 15 20 in this last like this last two months like it feels nice on the leaderboard to have those four guys back in there. I mean, I'm, I know Bryce, I'm lumping him in with those big three, but it feels nice to have them back because it just feels like so much more heft and weightiness, especially because all those guys are like they have a, they have like attitude, they have they have kind of um, like history with the tour, like major winners. Like not everybody, but like it's just no, all it, four of them yeah. are major winners. Oh, all four of them. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. But it's like it's like you know, it's cool to have them back. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. I, like those are. the... I like I'm there's no part of me that's excited to see like Patrick Reed potentially be back on yeah, the tour yeah. in it. Like, don't care. But those four are the ones that like everybody liked to watch before. Everyone those were the people that, that we were sad to kind of see go. And it's like that's they're the only bright side in my mind not of that merger at, in its current state. Are they the only ones that matter really? I don't know. I know other guys matter, but like is there's that really, some young guys maybe. Is that really yeah. Yeah. Like, Taylor I mean, Gooch maybe? Huge. Yeah, Pooch. <laughs> I'm gonna hear Louis. Louis was always can, a good one. You can leave Bryson in the desert, by the way. It's called a top three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, can you mention Tommy? Right, there was a lot of coverage for Tommy on Sunday because he ends up shooting a 63, which is the lowest Sunday round ever at a U.S. Open. He tied himself with that record, so he shot two 63s in the final round of U.S. Open, and he was on like 61, 62 watch, so he could have easily broken the U.S. Open scoring record along with the Sunday record. I mean, watching him play, he's, his game's under so much control, and I think he's probably one of the most elite iron players in the world. I'm, I kind of want to go out to the range and just start hitting punch shots like Tommy Fleetwood because I feel like my irons would get better. I wish I knew how to hit a punch shot, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, his Sunday round did nothing for me. I, he was playing, <laughs> wow. He was playing so was early. Through like the course is notoriously so much easier in the morning. I mean, that was proved out this week as all those great rounds. He choked on 18, had an easy 62, and I think – botched that birdie putt he choked at last week's tournament so he he's playing some exceptional golf he's going to be really tough to beat at the Ryder cup but. you're going to hate my pick for the travelers <laughs> well that's fine i'd love to see, he needs to he needs to stop doing these jordan speed you right? know top fives top tens and he, is he the the best player to not have won maybe the most decorated but not decorated player kind of thing yeah. the one that you were surprised definitely to see that he hasn't won a tournament on the pga tour um but I thought it was great. I thought his seven under round on Sunday was way more impressive to me than Ricky and Xander's eight under rounds on yeah, Thursday. True. Like it was a way like, yes, sure. He made the cut on the on the number, I believe was his situation. He didn't play great golf, but then he showed that he still has it. And like if he does post an eight under a nine under, he's that guy that's in the clubhouse all day that people are looking at. If I mess up just a little bit and thinking about this guy's just going to win kind of situation. So like, he was right there, and I, I liked that. It was fun watching it and rooting for him to maybe get to, a, you know, shoot a 62, a 61, 60, you know, something yeah. unbelievable. So that was honestly really the only reason I tuned into the early morning portion of the coverage. All right, how about Ricky? Ugh. Kind of a disappointing Sunday, but gets a, gets a T5. I mean, Ricky is back. I think we've said that a couple of weeks ago when we kind of picked him uh, for the memorial Ricky's game looks great, right? He's got that same putter as Wyndham, and his putter looked really good. Wyndham has the same putter as Ricky. They have the same putter together, yes. Uh, But his game looks solid. I mean, he's hitting the tee ball really well, and like he always has been, his irons are amazing. It's just, you know, Ricky hasn't been here for a while, so I'm not surprised. I think going into the Sunday, I said, like, 
I'm more scared of Wyndham than I am Ricky just because Wyndham doesn't have so much to lose. Like, Ricky is still trying to prove himself being that elite golfer that we know he is. There's a little baggage there, but, uh, I mean, he just wasn't hitting the ball that great on Sunday. Yeah, it was, it's really painful when you say, you know, Ricky's back kind of situation because this was the most quintessential Ricky is back moment because it's exactly what we saw with him when he was in his peak at majors, be right there in contention and then just not get it done. Like, it was it was heartbreaking to watch. You almost, it was a little, not to, again, shit on Rory, but Rory-esque in the sense of, like, you, you look for the, the wagon. you look for the, you, you're almost expecting a little bit of a letdown when it got to that crunch time. And it was it was hard to watch, but it was great to see him in that. And like he just had so much class throughout it. Even like he, it almost seemed like he wasn't didn't feel like the moment was too big for him for the first time. Oh no! But rather that like he was just he just didn't have it that one day for the, the putter went cold kind of. I think that Ricky and Wyndham's rounds were actually a lot more similar than people think. It's just that Ricky didn't get the ball up and down when he was in those tough positions, and then Wyndham did, and then you see the disparity in the score. Yeah, it was all those putts that went in Thursday didn't go in on. Uh, Sunday. Yeah, as, as tough as that was for him, like you said, I mean, class act. You, you saw so many pictures of him out there, like, at different times, congratulating Wyndham. He goes and does the post-round presser and and talks about, he's like, I just had nothing today. Like, nothing was working, and, you know, it sucks. And it's, yeah. you know, hard to kind of see him talk about that, but owns up to it a little bit, and he's going to keep putting in these top tens. I think he's got three in a row. I mean, he's playing really well, and he's – better be on the Ryder Cup team this year. Oh, so that'll be absolutely. that'll be awesome to see him make it back there. Yeah, it really feels like and this was this was the story I was rooting for the most was Ricky winning. I feel like that was over Rory, over Sky, over anybody else. Like that was the that would, would have been the most like uniting golf story would be Ricky Fowler winning the major. Like after the news, that would completely overshadow everything. It would just be like this is awesome. Like I didn't like obviously you've always known like oh this is a guy in you know, super bright colors for the long early point of his yeah, career. Yeah, pretty muted on Sunday, Kid, but still some orange in there. Kids loved him, all that kind of stuff. And, like, I didn't realize, like, until, like, watching all the coverage, like, this week, like, how good he is about just, like, just being out there signing. Like, you always see all his commercials and stuff, but he was just, like, seemed like just a genuinely good guy, at the very least, to the fans there and um, the other players. Like, and it was just, like, it's hard not to root for him. Well, I think yeah, like, he realized, like, how hard, sorry, man, how hard it is to be, like, the top 150 golfer in the world. Like, like, you know, his buddies like Spieth and JT having all the success in the world, but Smiley Kaufman is out there calling his round. <laughs> you know? So like, you know, he knows that his career, it's a perspective, right? Like his career could be three, five Back more years like of his peak. And like, you know, his peak might've been 10 years ago. So it's like, you know, he, he doesn't take anything for granted anymore, which is like what everyone likes to see. He's like, you know, a guy actually kind of giving his all. And good interactions like him and Xander after they shot the 62s in round one, kind of walking up to each other saying they were watching the leaderboard and, I don't know if it was Xander or Ricky said, every birdie I made, I thought I'd take the lead, but then you made another one. That was a fun interaction. And then him playing with Wyndham in the final group, I felt like he kind of like after he shook Wyndham's hand or kind of dapped him up, he kind of like talked to him in his ear for a few seconds. Like, you know, like this is a big moment, like, you know, wear it with pride. Like this is, a you know, hopefully more majors for you to come. All right, let's get to the other T5 real quickly. Uh, we don't have much to say about this guy, but uh, Min Woo Lee, a pretty good T5, best major finish of his career. Guy's got full status on the PGA Tour now, and he's just he's just humming. Well, we're sitting here blowing smoke up Bryson's ass for finishing <laughs> T20 and top top 10 or whatever. And Min Woo also finished top 20 at the PGA and now backs up with t- with T5 at the okay at the U.S. Open. So, so Min Woo Lee keep some eyes on him. That that absolutely a Bryson comment is not a personal attack to Min Woo. I'm just saying. <laughs> You have thirty seconds. Give it. What do you think about his game? No, right I, I think I've said everything I need to say about him. He's he's playing lights out right now. Um, I will say he he shot a plus four on Saturday. That's really what did him in this week. He shoots even part of that round. And he's tied for the lead. Um, that was the one day he did not wear the mock turtleneck. So Ugh. something to consider in the future. Fashion <laughs> and so matters. He, and, he, and he also had to play with Sam Bennett, right? The amateur yes. that played well at Augusta. Who we've now come pro, to know. Right? We've come to know he's now pro. We've come to know he's a pretty slow player and like notoriously slow. Like Scotty's pretty slow, but Sam Bennett he takes the cake for being the slowest. <laughs> and Sam Bennett shot nine over in that round. So I can only imagine how <laughs> slow it was for Minwoo. Lee. Colin's favorite thing is to text us every single round of every tournament who Minwoo's playing with and how it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair that he has to play with this person. And it's not fair to play with this person. I've sent two texts, and those are the both both times he had to play with Sam Bennett. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, know about that. And, uh, he had to play with Mike Block. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> another one. Which you hated, but that gave him from his feature group coverage. <laughs> 
he finally plays with you know a great player in Vic, and he shoots three under on Sunday, bogey free. I mean, that's that's big time stuff. He hit a drive over four hundred yards on sixteen on Friday. <laughs> 555 yard par four. He had 140. Then he nailed his wedge to like three feet and yeah. tapped it in. Nice. He's insane. All right. So then rounding out our top 10, we got Harris English and Tom Kim. I don't think there's much there. Um, do you guys want to talk about the course a little bit? What'd you think about the course? I mean, we had, so we had, a, we had a par three that was somewhere between 80 yards and 120 yards all week. We had some exciting par fives that played really long. We had par threes playing almost 300 yards. And then I think what really dampered my experience with LACC is that the last three holes are just 500-yard par fours. And it was not fun to watch down the stretch. I mean, this course, you had a drivable par four, the sixth hole, which guys were taking on or laying up with wedge. You had the long par threes and the par fives. Like, so much of this course was a lot of fun to watch. But these last three holes just stunk. Totally agree. Um, the, the, those last three long par fours just really take all the drama out at the end. Like, Rory coming down the stretch, he's... He was three shots back, and then I think Wyndham made a bogey. He was two shots back. So you knew he was going to have to make a birdie one of those last three holes to give himself a chance. And just with the way the course was set up on Sunday, there was just no chance. Like, hardly anyone was going to make birdie in any of those three holes. And it was just – it just made it really dumb to watch at the end because you knew Wyndham was going to win as long as he didn't blow up. And the fact that the 18 fairway was so wide – like, it didn't even give Wyndham a chance to blow up. He hit one of the worst tee shots I've ever seen on 18 Way right. yeah, off the slice. map. And it's 120 yards And it was still cut. in the fairway. So if you're going to make a long par four as a finishing hole, make it difficult and you want drama, don't make the fairway so wide because then no matter how you hit your tee shot, you're always going to have a shot to just get it up there and get up and down for par. I'm going to be on a different side here. Shocking, I know. But I love the course because of all of the different like factors that you got. You got to test all sorts of parts of people's game whether it was a a short par three or a long par three a long par four whatever it was they had to be able to hit every shot i agree with you that they didn't have the routing that maybe warranted like the finishing stretch for a u.s open but i feel like we've seen that in other majors where like i think i think they have again in like 2039 or something like that it's going to be back here. They have U.S. Opens out to like 2050 something yeah. right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, but they, they're already flagged for another one. They might go over under a full renovation again by that point. But I think you could reroute how the, the round is played to make this play better. Like I think like we talked about Rory going 100 yards left on 17 should have been penalized in a U.S. Open. Basically, yeah. Right? Like that. That. I mean, we're rooting for Rory. I agree with Colin. Like I saw. When Wyndham hit that shot on, I guess it was 18, and like it was like slicing so hard, I was like, "Oh my god, Rory's got a chance!" And it was like in the middle of the fairway, and I was like, "What the hell? That's just weird." But I don't think we're having the same conversation if if the roles are reversed. If that's yeah. Rory hitting this yeah. big slice, we're like, "Oh, thank he god. doesn't do yeah. that." This is awesome yeah. that it's you know. Yeah, I guess you're right, and we're biased for I, fans. I mean, I loved the course, and you know, for everything you're saying that the last three holes were boring, I just think that made everything leading up to it that much more exciting. Because there were so many birdie opportunities out there, which we don't normally see in a U.S. Open. So you you knew the holes that you needed to capitalize on in order to put yourself in a position, and that's what you had to do to go out and get the get the championship. As a less knowledgeable golf person, the one thing I noticed was how crazy the shapes of the bunkers were and how they hugged the green so tight and like how some of those approach shots were pretty wicked. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's... But like then I, I also... Do you guys see, I thought it was kind of weird what they did on 18. They let everyone circle the green... And like it was, I like love this, that. It's cool, yeah. but I imagine I thought it was interesting that they were going to go to a playoff. That, that's exactly like, what I said. I don't think they handled it well though, because they they didn't like the guys. Just everyone was kind of. It's r- the People's Open. People, yeah. Was it? Was <laughs> it the People's <laughs> Open? It was all not what I heard. It felt like a bunch of like rich kids getting in fights with cops out there. It was like it was like literally like in the background. <laughs> Daddy's gonna bail me out. It's fine. <laughs> My dad's a lawyer. Did you see in the background? It took like it was like probably six minutes of TV time where Wyndham was like looking over his shoulder trying to get his putt set and they were like right on his ass and like it was just like it didn't feel like they were crowding around waiting for shots like people were just kind of like running around being weird it well, was that but that was weird the, the crowd wasn't even that big they yeah were, like, they tried they to were, force it to be it big was like it was like the crowd of like a high school football game crowded <laughs> around the green <laughs> you, 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 yeah. you put that up next to when the at uh, the tour championship when tiger was getting his first win after like kind of coming back and the crowd following that it's not even remotely close it's a totally different environment for significantly less of a meaningful tournament in terms of historical relevance kind of thing and like that's a whole other issue with how the ticketing and everything was handled that maybe we'll get into but i mean i love 
when majors allow for that to happen. I think they do it at the Open Championship, but it, but and so, there's a couple other places. I'm agreeing with you though. They're allowing it to happen, but it felt like there was too few people around. They like forced it to be a cool finish. Like having just gone to a tournament at Hilton Head, I felt there was way more people there when we were there. There was, and yeah. it was like it was way more, like I mean I know it was on the ground, but like I feel like they tried to force it to be a thing at the end. It just felt weird. Like right. I, I just had an awkward feeling the last 15 minutes of that tournament like all right let's get into the ticketing yeah, i don't know do if anyone it. has any statistics but i think i saw where there were twenty thousand tickets per day for the u.s open but fourteen thousand of them each day were given to like hospitality sponsors and corporate, and, sponsors, and corporate yeah. sponsors and so like getting your hands on a general admission ticket was hard and then second market they were being sold for like six seven hundred bucks so just a really poorly done job for what is known as the people's open the yeah, u.s it's, open it's an embarrassment from the usga i mean this is th- th- it was pathetic so uh, we know they sell a ton of corporate spot. You got to pay the bills. Like, okay, I guess I can kind of get on board with that. But there were rumors the members of this golf course tried to buy every single general admission ticket. I what? think they succeeded in buying half of them and because they didn't want people ruining their golf course. That's and so, so stupid. Uh, this is, the again, we keep saying it. It's the people's open. A, why are we doing it at a course that, you know, point zero 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 one percent of people could ever imagine playing and be like nobody's allowed in to come watch this thing like how is this it's not i hadn't heard that they tried to buy the environment was pathetic watching on tv like guys are making great shots and there's just like you may hear like like Blake Griffin, all you're hearing is there. a peacock on 14 going crazy when he makes a <laughs> yeah you don't hear any fans doing anything it's a lot of the players were very like they express that especially in the first couple of days like how it didn't feel like a typical u.s open because you know the first tee like there's no one there no one yeah. no one's around it's just like it just feels like i'm almost out for a practice round kind of thing based off like what the crowds were and like one of the bigger headlines and stuff was the fact that oh the playboy mansion is here or it was like lionel richie's house or whatever the heck it was like they mentioned the playboy mansion just like a little too much right? yeah, it was like the creepy old men in the box like that's a playboy mansion yeah. like it like that that like you, josh just said like that's where most of the noise it felt like was coming from was the random animals and running around yes. the playboy mansion uh but it's just very shitty to put it very simply it was like why would you want to host that and i think it was more dictated by lacc than it was the usga like it was they were like no you can't have more than x if you're going to host it here that kind of situation why are you even petitioning to have this event there if you're not going to let people come see it i think the question begs itself is like should we even be hosting us opens at extremely private golf courses like yeah they're cool to see like they're beautiful right because they don't get played very often but it doesn't feel like authentic to the U.S. Open. We should be playing public courses that are also yes. beautiful that anyone can play. Yes, I'm 100% on that. Which, I mean, that does take that takes away like a Brookline. That's a private course that was great yep. last year. But Oakmont, like all these, yeah, there's Marion, lots of, yeah. yeah, there's plenty that are out there that are like that. But, yeah, I mean, that you see a Pinehurst, you see a Pebble, you see like there's plenty of other public courses. I think. That are expensive, but you can expensive, but you <laughs> But like you can do it. Yep. Like you can make that a trip kind yeah. of situation. If the like, spirit is that anyone can qualify, anyone should be able to go. Yep. That's pretty much the, you know, that's the argument. All right. Speaking of qualifying, it's a good, it's a good segue. So we have the nice. travelers coming up this weekend. There was, there was an interesting point I wanted to share with you because I saw there's like this Monday Q Twitter account that I follow and they follow lots of the smaller storylines in golf. The guy had a picture of four guys that were in a playoff for the last spot in the travelers in a Monday qualifier, all carrying their own bags on the first playoff hole, no caddy in sight, just playing, hoping that whoever makes that birdie is going to have a chance to get into an event that we know is elevated this year with a $20 million purse. So I think it's an interesting thing to talk about because we don't like to talk about the money in golf. I think that it certainly like takes away from the spirit in the game, like especially with the big guys. Like, Who cares if Rory makes $2 million or $6 million? It's all millions. But when you think about how important these elevated events are for these Monday qualifier guys, right? Getting into this event period, like you're probably going to get paid. And then God forbid you end up having a great week. I mean, this is like life-changing money. So let's talk about the Travelers a little bit, right? Another elevated event, like we said, $20 million purse. We got Rom, we got Scotty, we got Rory, we got Cantlay, Shoffley. I mean, the list goes on. A lot of these guys have kind of skipped some of their elevated events, like we know Rory skipped too. So they're kind of all here this week up in Cromwell, TPC River Highlands. A really short course. It only plays like 6,800 yards, a par 70. We see lots of long hitters, lots of short hitters win this event. What are you guys looking forward to? 
I have a question first for you. Like, why is this the most well-attended event, like smaller event? Like, the, why, why is everyone here? <laughs> why, like, I think why that, are some guys taking some weeks off? Because there's not that much that happens golf-wise, I think, in the New uh, England area. Yeah. You mean like, players yeah, yeah. or right. fans? No, players. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's an elevated yeah, event. It's an elevated event. Right. So they, have they can to only miss there. one. So a oh, lot of these guys have skipped one. My bad. That was a dumb question. No, but I, I have heard, his, to back you up, Ken, I have heard historically that a lot of people love coming to play here because of, uh, they, they really like the course for some reason. I, uh, I don't think this course presents that well on TV except for like the last three holes or so. I think the holes kind of look all, this, all the same from TV, but apparently the players, when you're actually there on premise and playing this course, it's it's a good test. Well, it's a good fan base. Thanks. and now Thanks that it's, the support. Well, I agree with Colin, right? It's a good fan base and then making it an elevated event. Like the RBC Heritage, now yeah. that we've been, we kind of understand what that golf tournament means for like the local and larger community. People just love going because it's one of the only chances you get to see pros probably north of Florida and what, south of Raleigh even, you know? So there's not much golf really up in the northeast either. So yeah, that's right. it's a great event to go to. That being said, I am not loving the elevated event right after a major situation. Mm, interesting. I, I'm kind of feel like they like there should be a little bit of a break. Like Wyndham Clark has to go and play in this, like, but he's also going to be asked to do a thousand media things, especially cross country flights. It's cross country. It just doesn't feel timed well. Yeah. Um, for this one in particular, like the heritage is, was less because it's not you know from Augusta to Her- like South to Carolina. Hell, yeah. It's not it's not a a trek by any means. But this, I mean, it, it. I don't love that they did this way. I feel like they should have given them a week or two off. And, like, I know that then starts putting you close to where people start going over for the Open. But I feel like, you know, this wasn't perfectly timed. They they at least recognized that and paid to, have, like, charter everybody who was in the U.S. Open to Connecticut. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, like, there were stories of so Oma. many guys that, yeah, missed the cut, Max Oma, stuck <laughs> around. So they could catch these <laughs> charter flights to from L.A. to to Connecticut or wherever the closest airport would be. Oh, so it was an airport bar where Justin Thomas and Max Homer were? Yeah. <laughs> Just $27. hours drinking yeah. rosé. So Xander won this thing last year. Uh, Harris English, if you remember, had a really great playoff with... Um, Kramer Hickok. Kramer Hickok, yeah. like two years ago. Eight-hole playoff. That was fun to watch. You also remember that Sahit Thagala came down the 18th, tied for the lead, or maybe a one-stroke lead, and ends up making a double bogey after he puts a fairway bunker shot into the lip and it rolls back to him. Xander then goes on to birdie 18 to win by two. But Sahith, like, we know he's a great golfer, but he could have really been put on the map if he won this thing last year. There's a lot of good storylines going into this course. And then, like I said, I saw some stats. So, like, long hitters and short hitters tend to do well here. Rory has a good history here. Cantlay has a good history here. But we also have, like, Brian Harmon, Kevin Streelman, and Ches Reeve, three of the shortest hitters on tour, all do extremely well at this tournament year in, year out. So it should be a fun week to see lots of different styles of game kind of dominate this Remember course. Remember that year Streelman made, like, eight straight birdies to win yeah. the tournament on the back nine on Sunday? And ironically, that's a funny story. When we were in Hilton Head, right, we were on the putting green after the round, and Streelman had just had a terrible day putting. So he's just there grinding putts, and he's just making everything. But he ends up, like, going out and shooting the course record on Sunday, and we should have known that that was all he needed was to putt better. But here he is again in a chance, and I think he's he's putting well, so he might be a guy to watch out for this week. Yeah, another cool storyline from last year was uh, the Stanford kid, Michael Thorbjornsson, got, what, a top five? Like, kind of yeah. out of nowhere. And got in with probably a sponsor exemption and, and really took advantage of it. So definitely creates some pretty cool storylines for these guys who aren't used to being up there. I think it's a really important milestone. <laughs> it felt like when Michael Thornburnson got his like fourth or fifth here that it really started the wave of amateur golf, right? We saw Sam Bennett play well at the Masters. We saw Gordon Sargent win low amateur this year at the US US Open. Lots of these kids are coming out of college. Some, you know, they started they started that PGA Tour U. I don't know who I can't remember who won this year, but he gets full exemption on the PGA Tour. Ludwig, Ludwig. yeah, Ludwig Aberg, right? And then uh, the kid from Florida that actually ended up winning NCAA's individual, he's second, so he got full. I think two through five gets full exemption on the Corn Ferry, and then five through ten get partial exemption on the Corn Ferry. But I think we're in kind of the wave of amateur golf. Like it's felt like it's been a while since kids coming out of college were extremely good. Like you know your Scotties and your Homas. And your JTs, like, it took them a few years to mature, it felt like. But right now, our amateur game is coming onto the PGA Tour, and they're playing with, like, reckless abandon, and they're putting up top tens. I was just looking up the purses. Not all about money, but this is the this purse is actually bigger than the Open and big, the biggest purse until the FedEx Championship, which yeah. is, answers yeah. my question of 
why the guys are putting a little check mark next to this on the schedule. That's I didn't realize that. This I feel was like I'm being a dick, but it's an elevated event, so they all have twenty million dollars. I, I know. I'm just saying. I I didn't. I guess like, <laughs> I'm just saying. I didn't realize. I didn't realize every single elevated event was exactly the same. Well, it's, speaking about the elevated status, right? We knew that. Collins guy Minwoo Lee had full tour status for the rest of the year after some of his finishes earlier in the year. He got it, what, a month ago? It was only his top five in the U.S. Open this past week that got him into this event, which I thought was pretty surprising. I just didn't realize the elevated events were bigger than the majors, some of the majors. Yeah, the purses I'm, are still bigger, which is, yeah, it's which is what I'm saying. It's because they're all, like, all the majors. <laughs> it's because they're all 20 million. <laughs> well, aren't no, the majors all elevated? elevated? <laughs> all the aren't majors <laughs> elevated more than the elevated events? All the majors <laughs> are, are run by different entities. I understand. So that's still the reason. Oh, I listen one to the One plus two is three, Ken. I'm just saying. Just trying to help. <laughs> I thought it was like elevated to B level. Like your majors are still the A. They are. Price, no, purse wise. Now nah, the purses are Who's still Who's paying yeah. for that? I don't know. Saudi, the Saudis. I don't know. Get them, in, get them in here. Soon, soon the majors will be like three times an elevated event. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So that'll do for golf this week. Love Let's jump into some of the big player golf that happened this past week. Ken, I'm leaning on you here, even though you're mad right now at Tully for explaining <laughs> elevated events. You and Tip went out to Maple. You were on break 90 watch, and Tip was on break 80 watch. Let's start with you. Wait, before we let Ken cook here, can we just talk about the <laughs> fact that he's now turned into the golf yes man out of, yeah, the, yeah. Out of the blue? Ken, Ken played like Thursday. seven times. The guy plays more Thursday. golf than Tully now. It's I played crazy. three golf. Bullshit. Three, I played golf three rounds this week, and I wow. tried to push a Pennsylvania trip that people didn't want to go to, but we still went anyway. Played cluster, played cluster twice, and I played uh, Maple. You know, the biggest thing for Maple is that it's actually like they're making a lot of changes there. I don't know, like, what? What are you shaking your head for? He's he's probably saying because we said this a few weeks ago, but this is your first time there, so it's your first time like really. Well, embracing. I heard I heard a story from my my uncle is eighty three years old and he plays maple every Friday with four other eighty three year old three other eighty three year olds, which is crazy. Seniors nine holes pays like eighteen dollars. Wouldn't want to be behind that group. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were saying that the guy that was a congressional, the senior groundskeeper there, retired and they have him at Maple now. Whoa! Yeah, so he said that. The guy was at, one of the senior groundskeepers at Congressional, which Dub just played a couple weeks ago. He lived in Thurmont, and he always commuted down. He retired, and they hired him, and he's going to, like, overhaul a bunch of stuff for the next three years in his retirement, quote-unquote. That's what I heard. That's the word on the street. Is Maple Run going to become a major championship quality course? I, I mean, it's, it's not an elevated even, event. It's, it's, it's public. <laughs> they can't do the U.S. Open there. I haven't, I haven't played there in, like, <laughs> two seasons, and I noticed some uh, big – but, yeah, I was playing really good the first seven holes. I was, like, literally two over through, like, seven, and then I just crumbled a little. But it was great, you know. Me and Tyler played a twosome for the first time – I don't think I've ever played a twosome just by myself with two people out there. And literally, I don't know if I've ever done that. And the guy, the kids behind us, there's like four younger guys are probably 20, like playing behind us. Like two of them probably for like, they the probably brought beer on the course. First too, couple times. They? Yeah. They were, we were like, kind of like, you know, being the elder statesman. Like I was trying to, I was putting a couple close to the pin. On the Fairways first. over here, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like drinking orange crushes. Yeah, that'll get you. Yeah. But it was fun. I think, um, I'm starting to trust my long irons a little bit more. Starting to trust my driver a little bit more. I, I, my worst part of my game right now is around the uh, just chipping onto the, the kind of 15 yards out, landing on the green. I got to work on that. That's like my biggest, my biggest problem. Well, so this is a big milestone, right? Because you've broken 80 a couple times, but not with Allegedly. any of us. Allegedly. So this was like this broken 90, but broken 90. This felt like the time where you were going to break 90, and there was there someone to validate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I have to say. But we'll get them next time. I got to work on my around the greens. I got to work on around the greens. That's my biggest thing. Right? Saturday. Yeah. Rattlewood. Rattlewood. Yeah. Rattlewood. Yeah. 89 incoming. 89 yeah. coming. 79 coming. And then is that a scramble? No. no. We I'm just confused. That's, I'm, that's I'm saying Gettysburg. yes. That's I'm Gettysburg. saying yes to so much stuff that I don't you know. You have so I'm much golf yes planned. Yeah. All right. So then Proud just you, real quickly. So Tyler was on 79 watch. Had a, yeah. a, had a front nine where I think we'll hear more from him probably on the next episode. But had the two par threes. I think he went like double triple. But he was still like very much on like 80 or 79 watch rumor has it he's on IR with a torn butt or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Tore his, oh, butt. God. <laughs> tore his butt in soccer played with me and then could barely just eat through yeah. father's day with his dad. You don't, play, you don't play golf with Ken if you have a torn butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he, Tyler's just so consistent, man. He just like, doesn't really make that many mistakes, which is, you know, that's eight, that's 79 watch right there. I can, I gotta assume that like Tyler's 
with his various injuries, like it just made him like slow down his swing even more, where he yeah. just didn't miss a fairway, didn't miss a green kind of situation. He might well, start playing my eighty-three year old coming off the scramble at whiskey. I mean, he was getting you know the yeah. club, which way is back probably started. Oh, he's got a torn, torn button. button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did him in? If he's still listening, he hasn't the patience to get this far into a podcast. <laughs> but he said at one point he said more like seventy-five. Watch, and oh, then, oh, <laughs> he, oh, he was it. feeling himself. <laughs> What's his best round? 77. I think he's a 77. Yeah, I think 77, 77. Well, he wants to shoot nine under by the end of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're halfway through. All right, and then I'll, I'll go. So I played at Kilmarlick. I uh, went on a family vacation nice. down to the Outer Banks. Trying to find a course, right? But we knew we only wanted to play nine holes. We knew we were going to have to rent a set of clubs uh, for, for Dare's family. And I tell you what, I didn't realize how expensive Outer Banks golf was. We went, we got a package, right? So we played like four rounds. It probably charged us 400 bucks. I don't know. I just didn't think about it. But... I remember Seascape not being one of the nicer ones we played, and that thing was 135 bucks pretty much till two o'clock through, through the week. We did go before Memorial Day, though. That was awesome. That's probably that's probably important. But so we ended up finding we could play nine holes at Kilmarlick before noon. So we went and played there. We played the front nine. Uh, it was funny leading up to this because I'd never played golf with Dara's brothers or her dad, and. I don't know. They they know, oh, never will. Ever yeah. seen they know like, they know that I'm ever like a, seen anything like this? Any like bones out there? <laughs> <laughs> wow! I think they definitely were expecting me to be a good golfer, but we get on like the first tee, and he the uh, Bill goes and tells the starter. He goes, "Yeah, this guy's like a pro golfer." And so they all three tee off, and then I see the starter kind of start rolling up to the first tee. He's like, "Oh, I got to get a look at this." Bomb it like three twenty right down the middle, just short of the green. And the starter and Bill were like, "I'm not playing him for money." <laughs> God. But all in all, a good, a good experience. I mean, Kill Marlick's awesome. <laughs> Amazing 19th hole there, right? Mm. Big TVs with the comfy leather leather sofas. Other than that, I mean, the rental clubs they got were awesome. All stealth, pretty much throughout the whole entire bag. Stealth irons, stealth woods. All in all, a really good time at Kill Marlick. I love that course. The uh, the Kill Marlick lemonade still a uh, great A there. Oh yeah, and we had some tra- yeah drink. we had some transfusions. What's the ingredients to the Kill Marlick lemonade? Is it's it a, like- it's a homemade secret kind of thing. You can't you can't find out. Is it just lemonade? But like it's vodka it's lemonade. Vodka <laughs> 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 lemonade. But don't lemonade. but don't ask what's it. Oh, pink lemonade. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, so then to round out our big player golf from this past week, Dub played in a scramble down at Shepherd for the football team. Dub, you got a story that you got to share with the team. Well, yeah. So, so this the tournament, team. I'm playing with my future father-in-law, uh, his brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law's brother, who I'd never brother, met brother before, in-law. and then you know a friend of the family. Shirt so brother. we had a good group Shirt out there. Brothers. Shirt brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're at nine o'clock tea time. We get there eight eight fifty. It felt like, and we're going to our carts to tee off and downpour. Two hour rain delay. We're sitting inside. The booze was flowing, had a couple orange crushes. We were feeling great. We get to the first tee, sun's out, we're feeling, we're feeling good. We get up there. Uh, Troy is, is the first one to lead us off. You know, pretty open hole. We just need a, fair, uh, a fairway finder out there. And he's, he's a solid golfer. Yeah, yeah, he's a fairway finder. And he, he hits a top that goes an inch off the tee, <laughs> basically a whiff. And we all just look at each other like, what in the hell just happened? And then the next guy gets up and was like, was so scared that he was going to do that before that happened. So then he was all in his head, hits one <laughs> off the planet to the right. And so it was it was not a great start when I have to walk up there and there's no balls in play. And I almost went back to the cart just to get like a pitching wedge and get us out there. But, yeah, Troy's like, yeah, I've never whiffed a ball before in my life. It just happens That's to what be they always on say. the first yeah. hole of our scramble. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely, uh, definitely went downhill from there. Well, let's get to your fourth hole. What happened on that one? <laughs> yeah, I knew where this story was. Fourth hole, I'm uh, I'm teeing off, and I have no concept of distance or anything there. I'd never played there. And I hit a ball, like, right over the trees, and it's going towards a group up on another tee box. I thought it was, like, 100 yards short. Well, it turns out I hit this guy in the air off the ass, <laughs> and it bounces out of bounds from there. And I, I couldn't see this because it was kind of through trees. I just saw them looking around like, what happened? So then we get up there, and the group behind them was like, um, you just hit that guy in the air. And I'm like, what? He didn't say anything. They're like, Jeez. yeah, he like didn't care. He just <laughs> yeah, put his tee nice back guy. in the ground, hits his tee box, and <laughs> nice hit guy. his tee shot and just rode away from there. And I'm like, oh. And they're like, well, yeah, your ball's out of bounds, though. So that kind of sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> Nobody's shit. talking about how shit the kick was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could easily kick that guy the must do so many squats if his ass <laughs> was that. the other way. Yeah, he could have been back in our fairway. No, every, everyone said that he was a nice guy, but he really just picked your ball up and threw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he picked it up with his ass and spit it out. If only you could have hit him in the left cheek. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it bounced 30 yards off my ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. So, Ken, you're going to the Outer Banks, where I just was uh, this coming up week. Uh, yeah, where yeah. are you playing? Probably Currituck. I mean, just because it's the only one that's on the kind of island proper. The north, go north way side. Down. Yeah. yeah, we're saying way north of Corolla. has got to be pushing a 250 round, huh? Uh, no, Seascape ah, is 140. I thought then. it was like 130, 140 when we played. but uh, it, it was you know, four years ago <laughs> before <laughs> Memorial Day. Day. Thanks, well, I'll look that up because I don't think my cousins are going to play that. Maybe we'll play like at 3, 3 p.m. or Pivot. something. I remember being like 130, isn't it? We are also playing at like <laughs> 1 o'clock on a... Thursday. Well, if I don't go against Ken tonight, man, you're jumping down this. I'm just. He says. I'm putting things in context. Damn it. The reason we're staying like five minutes from there, we're just gonna (laughs) drive. So if I don't play there, we go south to Nags Head and Kill Devil Hills. You think what's the what's the best bet? You think play the point. The point. Oh, it's yeah, back over the bridge. Yeah. That's yeah. The ones across the bridge are cheaper, like yeah. Kilmarlick. It's like a forty-five minute drive, though. Yeah, but you got all day. It's right across the street from Kilmarlick. If you're gonna, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. The point, Kilmarlick. What do we play? The point, Kilmarlick. We didn't play the point. I don't think. No, we did. There's three courses across that bridge. Actually, when I was driving to Kilmarlick, so point, Carolina Club mm-hmm. and Kilmarlick, and they'll be the easier ones to play and a lot cheaper too. Make Zippy drive. No. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was right. It's only one eighty-nine. Man, is that morning or afternoon? That's four o'clock. I think that's all day long. Jeez. All right, I'm about to rethink this. Is that dollars? Oh, after <laughs> three, it's one thirty nine. Okay, that's right. pesos. So you got to cut it in half. All right, so we'll look forward to a recap from Ken and how the golf went with his <laughs> in-laws, just like how they went with mine. Thanks everyone for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and we'll see you next week.